0: Well, welcome to our Wednesday night Bible study. Glad that you have joined with us, uh, those of you here as well as those who, uh, by our campuses, watch uh, via video. We are in the book of Judges, and uh, is is our custom what we do on Wednesday nights is we take a portion of Scripture and we go through it one verse at a time. Usually take a whole book and go through all the way through it one verse at a time. And uh, we are in the Old Testament. We just we were going to come here just for a quick little trip and we've been stuck ever since and, but it's been great it's been great fun because you just keep getting dragged into who was gonna happen next kind of thing so we are in the book of judges this is the time after uh, Moses after the children of Israel took the promised land Joshua and all the guys and boom so they win and they come in and they're in the promised land everything's great uh, and now uh, they're supposed to just be doing what God told them to do what Moses told them to do. Say, look, if you will do the right thing, if you will obey me, I will bless your socks off. Your life will be unbelievably wonderful. Uh, but if you don't, I'm going to kick your butt, and, uh, and and things are going to go very, very badly for you. And throughout the book of Judges, we are just reading how they would act very badly, and God would just really start bringing bad news on their head, and terrible things would happen to them, and and invading armies would come and make their lives miserable. Uh, and then they'd cry out to God for deliverance, and God would send someone to deliver to them. We call them judges, and these people who would come in, and God would raise them up. And then for a while, the children of Israel would be in a good place with God. And then as soon as they got comfortable again and uh, got blessed, they tend to forget God. And this cycle just kept happening over and over again, which is it's kind of a weird thing. You know, when you're getting really blessed, but I'll tell you, this is really when you want to make sure you stay in a place of thankfulness. And committed to God because the crazy downside of great blessings and things going great in your life is the human nature is to forget God and then when things are going terrible all of a sudden God where are you okay now you have to understand God wants you in a state of God where are you now better to stay blessed and stay in an attitude of God hello then waiting for things to get miserable that now causes you to call out to God. You catching my drift? All right, but these people were just dumb as bricks, and they were just constantly. I mean, was, um, you would think they would learn, but they never learned. So, anyway, same thing happens again. And the Philistines are making their lives miserable now, and God raises up Samson. And Samson, as, as we read last week, as this guy, the Spirit of God, comes upon him, and he has just incredible off the chart strength. I mean, and it doesn't. The Bible doesn't say anything that he was, you know, physically dynamic or strong or anything. It's just that when the Spirit of God came on this guy, he did what was impossible to do. I dare say this guy was not physically uh, huge. Uh, he didn't look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Okay, I'm sure he just looked like a regular guy. Because if he looked real muscled, you think, wow, this guy can do this because he's so muscly. But it, you know, but even Arnold couldn't do what this guy did. I mean, this, this is unreal. He it was just off the charts. The power of God, and it just stunned the enemies. They're, they're, the, the enemies of Israel, and uh, they couldn't do anything about him. And he made their lives miserable, and tormented them, and brought judgment on them. And, but then, uh, and, and then we read about how he was in this one big battle, and a thousand guys come at him, and he takes the jawbone of a donkey, and he kills a thousand men all by himself. I mean, serious, stuff going on, okay? and uh, And then after that, he's praising God, and stuff like that. And then, as time goes by, even Samson starts to forgetting God. It's, and telling you, it's just something we all have to be on the lookout for. Uh, don't forget where your blessings come. Don't forget where your strength, your real strength in life comes from. If you ever feel like, gee, you're losing your spiritual strength, um, you know, it's time to, hey, what's happening? You know, if you feel like God's uh, moved away, you have to remember, God doesn't move. So who moved? It's you. All right? So anyway, so so now we're in the story and it says, we start out in chapter 16 is where we're at. And he goes down and he's with a prostitute and, you know, and obviously he's behaving very badly. Um, then in verse 4, Sometimes later he, sometime later he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. Here we are, Samson and Delilah. Here's the story. The ruler of the Philistines went to her and offered all this money. Gee, if you can show us the the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him Uh, each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver that's a lot of jack when everybody's doing this so Delilah says to Samson tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued now let's just read through this I want you to see she was very clear she wanted to destroy him and he never saw it coming and uh, so Samson answered to her and he starts giving her these ridiculous stories he said, well, if anyone ties me with seven fresh uh, uh, thongs, or, which were like bowstrings um, and that haven't been dried, you know, then I'll become weak as any other man. That's my secret. Boy, you just get some bowstrings, some fresh bowstrings, and and I'll lose all my power. Then the ruler of the Philistines brought her seven fresh thongs that had not been dried, and she tied him with them. She tied him with them. I mean, this should have been, you know, clue numero uno. Well, actually, number 1 would have been the fact that you asked even, you know. But now she actually does it. So, you know, the, what would keep happening is Samson would fall asleep and then she would do whatever he had intimated would take away his power. And Anyway. So anyway, with men hidden in the room, um, she calls out to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. So she's basically announcing that they're here to kick your butt. Again, that would have been, you know, clue number three. But he didn't get it. He just snapped the thongs as easily as a piece of string snaps when it comes close to a flame. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. Well, (laughs) you would think the next scenario would have been Samson chewing her out. Why would you do such a thing? Why would you want to know the secret of my power? And if I had really told you, why are you trying to kill me? And you think he'd have chewed her out. But look who chews out whom. Then Delilah says to Samson, You made a fool of me! You lied to me! You lied to me! Come on, tell me how you can be tied! Tell me how I can do it! Tell me how I can get you! How I can get you! How I can get you! Well, then he comes up with another story. If anyone ties me securely with new ropes that have never been used, then I'll I'll become weak as any other man. So Delilah took new ropes and tied him with them. Then, with men hidden in the room, she does it again. Da-da-da-da! Which they also use for butter, but anyway. Da-da-da-da! Samson, the Philistines are upon you! And he snapped their ropes, as if they were threads, and he probably kicked, their all, kicked all their butts. And so then Del- Delilah whines again. Until now, you've been making a fool of me and lying to me. Tell me! Tell me how you're going to be tied! Then he comes up with another story. Well, if you weave the seven braids of my head into the fabric on the loom and tighten it with a pin, I'll become weak as any other man. So while he was sleeping, Delilah took the seven braids of his head, wove them into the fabric and tightened it with a pin. Now, Now, check this out. It doesn't say so, but Samson has to have a serious drinking problem. I mean, he has to. I mean, come on. (laughs) You know the loom. You know the big. You know where they're taking all these fabrics and they're weaving in all these things. So she's taking his hair and weaving it in with the other fabric, and tightening it with a pin. Now, seriously, you scratch my head. You're waking me up. You know what I'm talking about. I mean, come on. He has to be drunk out of his gourd. He just has to be. <laughs> Which gives us another reason why he's such an idiot. So he's obviously getting plastered and sleep. And then she does this, weaves his hair in with the fabric, and then tightens it with a pin. <laughs> and then she has to wake him up. So she calls to him again, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he woke with, from the sleep and pulled the pin from the loom with the fabric, just everything apart and... And then she says, How can you say I love you? (laughs) How can you say that to me? How can you say to me you really, 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 really love me? (laughs) And you won't confide in me. This is the third time you've made a fool of me. I'd be going... This is the third time you tried to kill me. You haven't told me the secret of your great strength. And with such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was tired to death. Tell me, tell tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell tell me, He can't take it anymore. So he tells her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said. Because I have been a Nazarite set apart to God since birth. That's what they would do. Children, they would dedicate to God. They'd never cut their hair. They were never allowed to. Even their parents couldn't take. The mother, while she was uh, pregnant, couldn't even drink wine. And he said, if my head were shaved, my strength would leave me. And I would become weak as any other man. Then Delilah saw that he had told her everything. So he, she really knew it now. So she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines to come back once more, which means they had to keep coming each time. You know, I don't know how this is all working out, but he's told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands, having put him to sleep on her lap again. He has to be completely wasted. Has to be. And then she calls for a man to come shave off the seven braids of his hair, like, like Pastor Ross. something wrong with that boy anyway (laughs) (laughs) he's my son-in-law i love him he just wants to look like me he loves me he loves me so she calls for a guy to shave all the seven braids of his hair and uh and obviously he's sleeping the whole time he's not even aware what's going on and his strength leaves him and then she wakes him up samson the philistines are upon you now I touched on this at the end of last week's message, going a little psycho on people. But for the love of God, you look at something like this and think, "How can anybody be this dumb?" But then I look at so many people that come to me for help with their marriages. Uh, a lot of them I don't even know. You know, I, I get emails and stuff from all over the country and the world, and uh, and, and they'll say the strangest thing. Like I got one today, you know. You know she's been married for 3 months and her life's in hell. 3 months. I mean it should take a while to get to hell, don't you think? You know what I'm saying there should be there should be, you know, disappointment, misery, irritation, you know, purgatory and that hell. How do you get to hell in 3 months? Remind me of another lady who called me. She'd been married for ten days. <laughs> Pastor, you've got, to help me. you've got to help me. It's horrible. It's horrible. He's not what I thought he'd be. Like in ten days? Man, y'all still be ought to be partying. How do you go from standing at the altar? glowing like a light bulb, smiling from ear to ear to hell in 10 days. Another email from some guy, same story. It's like, good Lord, what is the matter with people? You mean you don't see this before you marry the person? And I really think people don't get this this dating thing. I don't think they get it. They really don't get because what's happening ultimately and every time those of you who listen to my radio show, you know, I'll ask these people, I'll say, Okay, just let me know, I'm not condemning you, I don't know who you are, da da. Were you having sex with the guy? Were you having sex with the girl before you got married? Every case so far. Well, well, yeah. Well, good grief. No wonder you're making such a bad decision. Sex is a powerful drug. It's designed to hold two people together for life who are married. You start taking this drug before you're married, it clouds your brain. It makes you dumb as a brick. It just does. Sex outside of marriage will just make you stupid. I was reading all the science of it today. They say, you know, during sex, especially the exciting version of sex, which is the naughty version, which you shouldn't be doing before you're married, all, this, all these endorphins are released and dopamine... Is released into your blood. It's kind of like this addictive substance. Dopamine. Dopamine. What a great name because that makes you a (laughs) dope. Perfectly titled. Goodness gracious. Stop. You know, I just spoke to the young people on Monday night about this thing. Teaching them how to date and what all this stuff. But I'm telling you, the whole time I'm talking to them, I just kept thinking of all the people I know in their 30s, 40s and 50s and I'm thinking they need to be hearing this the single ones they need to be hearing this I'm having a bigger problem with that age than I am with the 17 year olds down there I kid you not what what in the world and I'm shocked I'm shocked I don't know it's been 3 months and it's not what I thought he'd be and I'm like how did you not I got married at 18 years of age okay 18 people say why did you get married at 18 because it was against the law at 17 <laughs> or had I gotten in earlier 18 there were no surprises there were no surprises now you can talk to her and see what she thought but I don't think there were any surprises from her either there, were, there was no shock we knew each. other. we were just kids for crying out loud and we knew each other I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, three months with her all of a sudden, oh my gosh, I didn't know she was like that. How do you get there? I don't know what people are thinking when they're dating. Especially Christian people when they're dating. First of all, most of them are making this stupid mistake, and well, it doesn't really matter. You know, I know we shouldn't. No big deal. You've got to realize it's a big deal when you get real physical with somebody. And you don't even have to have intercourse with them. Good Lord. Just all the pawing and drooling on each other will send the dopamine in your brain and turn into a dope. Stop it. How about dating be a chance to really learn about somebody? Come on! What are we doing? Learn about them. I told the young people down there, I says, whatever you do, don't look at how they act. Look at how they react. Because when a person reacts, that's when you tell what they're really like. You think, oh, he's so nice, he acts so nice, he acts so nice. Yeah, he's acting. Oh, she acts so sweet, she acts, She's acting. What do they do when the doo-doo hits the fan in their life? That's what you want to see. Because that reveals their character. What are they like when they don't get their way? Or do they stay nice? When trouble comes their way, do they react nastily or do they praise God for the blessings of God in their lives? Look at how they react. Get a clue about the character of these guys you're dating, of these women you're dating. For heaven's sakes! I don't get this. We've been dating for three years. And first of all, if you're in your 30s, 40s, and 50s, and you're dating for three years, I need to beat you with a brick. Three years? What are you waiting for? You can't figure this out yet? Goodness gracious. <laughs> I brought my book. I want to read to you from my book. because I was looking for this thing that I, that I wrote in my book. Conservative Jews. You want to know how conservative Jews date? Check this out. Uh, This was written by a rabbi. I'm I'm reading to you what I stole from somebody else. Anyway. (laughs) It's from a book called uh, Kosher Sex. Rabbi. Hilarious guy, by the way. Um, He says, and he's he's a Hasidic Jew. These guys are very, very serious about their faith. He says, this is how it happens. First, a man and a woman meet. They do not necessarily know how attractive they'll prove to each other. However, assuming that they meet... And everything goes well, they continue to see each other for a period of time. Say, a few weeks or a few months. Then they decide on marriage. And I think, how did did First of all, they take life seriously. They're not dinking around, dating, 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 dating. You know, it's not like you're 16 people. And by the way... I don't know if you've noticed this. Those of you who are single, my age, or anywhere close, 30s, 40s, when you start dating, things go very quickly. You know what I'm talking about? They escalate very quickly. This isn't 14 years old stuff anymore. It's like, zoom! It's no wonder so many people are getting sexually active with each other and getting doped up on dopamine and making dumb mistakes. Take this stuff seriously. And the reason it works in this community is because the people are brought together together by people that they know. People who've already run the person through the character test. And where is that in our culture? You know, it should be coming from your parents. Of course, a lot of your parents are psychos, I know. (laughs) Well, they are just... There's a reason why so many of us are messed up. This is like two... We're at least two or three generations of dysfunctional wackos in this country. Are we not? The good news is it's not your fault. The bad news is you're a mess. But we've got to stop the cycle of stupid. So get some mentors in your life, people you can trust. Get somebody else looking at these people for you. It shouldn't take you two, three years of this stuff. If anything, you'll get overly emotionally attached to someone who's a bad idea for you. Particularly if you're having sex with them, it just makes it a disaster. But even if you're not this intense, you know, man, you're not 16. Come on. For all you guys listening to me on video, I know I'm telling you, there's a lot of single women in our church. A lot of single guys. Divorce, I get it. It's not about hating you or making your life miserable. And I know you're trying to reconnect and find someone. But honestly, you've got to quit being so goofball about this thing. Because overwhelmingly, I'm getting it from that age group who are getting married and then they're in absolute hell. Shocked and stunned and amazed that things are so terrible in their lives. Be smart about it. Get other people involved in the mentoring process. Dating should not take years, especially at your age. And you guys, for crying out loud, you girls don't put up with this either. Men will do this. They like to date for like 37 years first. (laughs) And they drag you out and treat you like a piece of emotional garbage. Do not tolerate that. You're several months into this deal, say, hey, 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 where's this going? I don't know. Bye. Bye. All these guys drag you out forever, this stupid process. And oh, I don't, I don't know if I'm ready to commit. Well, they you shouldn't be dating. If you're not ready to commit, you should not be dating. You guys, you single guys, listen to me. If you're not ready to commit, stay away from her. Mm, this stuff makes me crazy. It does, it just drives me crazy. And, and driving me crazy is a really short drive.. <laughs> and 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 listen, dating is fair game. It's about learning about the character of another human being. And everything is fair game. And don't get trapped into the, well, they're a Christian deal. Let me explain. okay? someone is coming to church women are famous for this they'll get guys coming to church and they're coming to church and they're all these very bad in nature and they don't Christ, And so, all of a sudden they become a Christian all of a sudden woo let's get married well pastor he became a Christian well yeah but what kind of person is he yet I mean come on look at your own faith life the thing with Christianity is, is you immediately start out knowing God but it takes some time to work this out are you hearing me How many of you, you're still working parts of it out? Really? Me too. And it doesn't happen in a couple of months. In other words, if you're dating some guy who's got serious anger issues and he's beating the snot out of people and then he comes to Jesus and gets saved, you probably should still pass on this guy. Why? Because you know what's going to happen the first time he gets really angry? Money says, even though he's been born again, filled with the Spirit, God's changed his life, he's probably going to immediately react badly like he's been, because he's still working out his faith. You know, you're hooked up with some woman or something that just, they're bad news, and then, Well, well, they're coming to church with me now. That's what I hear. Well, they're coming to church with me now. Okay, but have you noticed this takes a while to get this? I mean, it's not in front of God. It's the craziest thing. It's like, before God, you're right. Before God, you could be here tonight. You could be the biggest pagan and heathen in the state of Wisconsin. And if you will surrender your heart and life to Jesus Christ, he will make you right just like that tonight. And before God, as far as... He, man, you got a clean slate. Okay? But people, you're not marrying their spirit. You're marrying the whole package. Okay? Now they got to work that out. They got to start letting that become a bigger part of them than their old sin nature. It takes a while. You know, you got someone who's, you know, an axe murderer. You probably should wait a while. Just because they prayed. You know, and then I'll I'll hear them say, well, well, Pastor, I have to forgive them. Are you saying I should hold their sins against them? No, but it's, it's. You don't have to marry them! Be smart. Look at the whole package. Who are they? What are they like? What kind of choices have they made? Don't disregard their entire life's history because today they came to church and gave Jesus their heart. Or he's been coming for a month or two. I mean, come on! We still don't even know if he's even serious about their faith yet. You know, Jesus gave the parable of the seed. You know, you sow and some people take the seed right away, but they're like the seed that fell on, on ground that had no root. And, you know, as soon as things got rough, they, they blew away. Well, you want to at least run them through that process. Right? The first time they're under heat and they're really getting persecuted, a lot of people give up on their faith right away. The number of people, I'm telling you, it's, it's not only like just picking on one or two people. This is, this is the bulk of evidence that comes at me every day. Who marry someone because they were coming to the church for a while, and then they take their brains and they put it on hold? And say, well, it doesn't matter now because they're a Christian. I got an email right now in my box. I haven't got I got like 500 emails in my box. I got to get to work. But uh... this girl, you know, this guy, he's got all these issues and the anger and all his past and stuff, and he didn't want anything to do with God. He's got all these sexually transmitted diseases, and but now she wants to marry him. Why? Well, he just got saved. Hello? Well, he got saved. He's a Christian now. Yeah, okay. First of all, let's see if he really is a Christian. Give it a little bit of time. I tell you when you really find out you're a Christian is when the world hates you for your faith and you still stick in there. When everything's going wrong and you still stick in there. When anybody has any senses, I don't want this anymore and they walk away and you still stick around. That's when you really know you got this. When you have to sacrifice something really important to your life, like God told Abram, sacrifice your son on the rock to me, and he's ready to plunge the knife in there. This is when you know. Nothing's hold back. You will surrender anything to God. That's how you know. That's how you get a clue. You don't find that out right away just because you've been coming to church with you for a few months. And I know some of you have stories. Well, that's what happened with us, and everything's been great. Well, good, but you've got to realize you are very much the exception and not the rule. Look at the whole picture. I, I just don't know what people are thinking. I just... And I'm sure I'm making some of you feel really badly, but I'm not trying to make you feel badly. I'm just trying to challenge you. This marriage... All you got to do is talk to some of the people who are miserably married and in the situation. How do you get that? Because nobody's going to get on video and show you that story, you know. Yeah, I can't stand my husband. He's a moron. You know, it's, he's sitting right next to her in church. it won't work. I you could hear some of these stories. Miserable. Self-centered. Narcissistic. I mean, you didn't see this before you got, before you got married? I, I just understand that part of it. I think people are thinking too much with their hearts and not with their heads. You've got to understand, you need to think more with your head. I know Christians who know what they're heading into is a disaster, but they don't even think it because, they, well, I think it's God's will. God wants us to be together. Really? I'd double-check that if I were you. So they just take their heads off. I just know it's God's will. And you know they're headed for disaster. And you can tell them. You know you're headed for a disaster. Well, oh, but it's God's will. These are the people who need swirlies. Just wake up. And then they send me an email. I'm in hell. I'm in hell. I'm in hell. I'm in hell. It's just not worth it. And it goes both ways. It's not just the women and the guys. The guys do the same thing. At this guy, you know. He had this blonde, dropped, dead, gorgeous, suck the air out of the room wife, you know. As soon as you met him, you know, you couldn't help but look at him and go, dude. You know what I'm saying? Like, dude, you you scored, man. Wow. Now I'm not even married to this lady. But within a few weeks of just being around her, she was irritating the snot out of me. <laughs> and whining about everything and she's gorgeous she's got the look she's got the you know the whole deal <laughs> and after knowing and hearing this woman whine for several weeks I just I remember looking at him and looking at her and looked at him and thought to my side and said I just thought dude ain't nothing worth that ain't nothing Of course, now he's in hell. You didn't see this? How could you not see this dating? Well, I, in her case, I guess I can see why he'd be drugged up, but... How do you not say, I'm, I'm not even dating her. I can see it. Again, we get into these modes of just, oi, 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 oi and head to a ba- And this is the best example in the Bible of it. Because he's having sex with this woman, hanging out with her, living at her house. Living together, sending their little brains out. And she is out to kill him. And he can't see it. So she yells, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And this was the sad, one of the saddest verses in the Bible. He says, he awoke from his sleep and thought, well, I'll go out as before and shake myself. But he did not know the Lord had left him. One of the saddest verses in the Bible. He had no idea God had left him. By this point, he had no idea. He deluded himself. He thought, well, it won't matter. Nah, my hair, who cares? I, I, I can do this on my own. You know? I don't care what the pastor says. I don't care what you stupid Christian. I'm you know, a legalistic, you know, right. I can do this on my own. I can live any way I want. God still loves me. It doesn't really matter. You know? I, that's what I saw on TV. <laughs> but the Philistines seized him and they gouged out his eyes. Ow. They took him down to Gaza and they, binded, they bound him up with brown shackles and they sent him, set him to grinding in the prison. So he sat there, spinning the grinding wheel around and around, his eyes gouged out of his head in chains. But I love this verse. It says, But the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Now, here you've got to think the Philistines not the smartest people in the world. I mean, come on. I'm not the smartest guy in the world. But if I know, you know, that hair, he kills us, no hair, we kill him. I'd keep shaving his head. Wouldn't you keep shaving his head? The beauty of this verse is that restoration comes restoration comes. Now, the rulers of the Philistines assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God. Oh, Dagon. Hallelujah, Dagon. We love you, Dagon. They're there to celebrate. They're having this big Dagon party saying, our God has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. And when the people saw him, they praised their God saying, our God has delivered our enemy into our hands, the one who laid waste our land and multiplied our slain. This guy who was killing us, we got him. Praise be to Dagon. And while they were in high spirits, they shouted, Bring out Samson to entertain us! So they called Samson out of the prison. And he performed for them. I don't know what that means, but he was out there humiliating him. And when they stood among the pillars, Samson said to the servant who held his hand, Put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple, so I may lean against them. Now the temple was crowded with men and women and all the rulers of the Philistines were there. And on the roof were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. And Samson prayed to the Lord, O sovereign God, remember me. O God, please strengthen me just once more and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. Then Samson reached toward the two central pillars on which the temple stood and bracing himself against them his right hand on the one, his left hand on the other. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And then he pushed with all his might. And this guy brought down the entire complex. Whoa. Down came the temple on the rulers and all the people on it. Thus he killed more when he died than while he lived. So the good news here is you know, the story of redemption and restoration. Having said that, you know, keep in mind there was a big price that he paid. You know, one of the things that kind of concerns me a little bit sometimes is because we're we're people of faith and we believe so much in healing and restoration and we do and I do and honestly, there's not one thing you could do, no matter how irritated I am by it, that God doesn't love you and I won't love you and he will forgive and and help you get back, but at what cost? That's not, that's not what, we don't think about that. Sometimes we 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 push so much restoration in the kingdom of God in the Christian message. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you are. I think it tends to live lead to people living carelessly. I just do. I see it all the time because it's like well, it doesn't really matter what I do. Jesus will make it better in the end I said well yeah I said, well, don't you believe that pastor yeah yeah but at what cost there's consequences for things there's a lot of wonderful healing that God will do in people's lives but oftentimes at a great price a lot of people are suffering and going through things God never intended for you to go through it was never his design he never wanted you to experience some of the pain that you've experienced. But he loves you, and he will restore, and he will heal. That's the wonderful news of Christianity. But as your pastor, to those of you who are walking in faith, let me, as Paul did, he warned the Christians. Warned them. He says, I'm warning you guys. Watch how you live. You mean God won't forgive me? Of course he'll forgive you. But watch how you live. There's consequences for these things. There's prices that are often paid. And while Samson's hair did start to grow again and God heard his prayer at the end and his calling on his whole life was to beat back the Philistines and his final blow he destroyed more at his death than the whole time he was alive. Thousands of people perished in this gigantic collapse of this incredible behemoth of a building. But what price he paid. The humiliation, the pain, the imprisonment the gouging of his eyes, and ultimately, he got his revenge when he died with them. He also was crushed to death through the whole thing. So, um, so anyway, just keep that in mind. I, I just, I just think, I think we just do people a disservice. And again, I think because we get so much of the message of grace. Today, particularly on, on some of these big preachers on TV and stuff and, and it's like it doesn't matter how you live It doesn't, the message is It just doesn't matter what you've done And it's true in terms of being right with God There is nothing you can do that will make Him hate you There's nothing that you can do That will cause Him to have, refuse to have anything to do with As long as you're willing to turn from your sin and cry out to Him And ask Him to forgive you And no matter what big of a mess He's made out of your life He can restore your life He can take your most miserable situation and turn it into something so beautiful. It's like, wow, that's amazing. But don't fool yourselves and and let's be careful that we don't preach in such a way it causes people to live recklessly. That they know what they're doing is wrong. They know what they're doing is sin. They know what they're doing can have negative consequences. But that's okay, Jesus will fix it. Whoa, easy. Easy. We have to be careful with this stuff. To whom much is given, much is required. And uh, let's be people. And let's get this through to our kids too so they understand these things. Live right life the right way. The advantage of our young people is they're hearing the good news before they've gotten messed up like so many of us got messed up before we got saved. But let's teach them righteousness. Let's teach them righteousness. Do it right. Do it right. There's never hopelessness. But let's watch out for the price that has to be paid. All right, so that's the story of Sam. Then his brothers and his father's whole family went down to get him. You know, I don't know how they got him. They unburied him from all the rubble. They brought him back and they buried him between Zorah and Eshtaol, in the tomb of Manoah, his father. He had led Israel for twenty years. All right. Now, continuing in the story of Judges. Now, this next story, I don't know what they're talking about. I, I. I you know <laughs> I don't, don't get why he's this even here. I don't understand it. And I read it several times and I just, I'm not gonna even read it. It's just it's just it's it's basically the story of how the Danites wound up in the city where they eventually settled down. But it's this weird story of this guy who has this idol and and I, you can read it. I just I don't even get it. Okay so that's chapter 18 <laughs> chapter, chapter 19 oh my goodness uh, then another, this next story also very bizarre this is the story of a Levite and his concubine um, is that rain? Ooh, 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 okay so now in, in those days Israel had no king Everybody pretty much did whatever they wanted to do, and they kept getting him in trouble. Now, a Levite who lived in a remote area in the hill country of Ephraim took a concubine from Bethlehem in Judah. Never quite understood the whole concubine thing, but they're basically a wife without the wife legalities. They don't get the benefits of a wife, but the guy gets the benefit of the girl, I guess, including his children. I mean, you know. Um, you know even, the, even the 12 tribes of Israel, some of those were from concubines, you know. Or, or just, anyway, wow. So check this out. This is an interesting verse of scripture this next one. So he has this concubine. He's basically a sort of wife that he has. It says, but she was unfaithful to him. Ooh, ooh, ooh. What would you think? You would think she's out there committing adultery, right? Or doing something. No, no, no. She was unfaithful to him because she left him and went back to her dad's house. She wasn't there for him. Unfaithful. And I've been using the scripture lately, talking to couples about it. and It's shocking to me. You know, Pastor Arnie used to say this all the time. He used to drive me crazy. He said, before they get married, we can't, get them out of, can't keep them out of bed. And then after they get married, we can't get them back in. Have <laughs> you ever heard him say that? You know, it's just, it's just. And it's like that. And it's amazing how many couples just don't want to have sex with each other. There's all sorts of reasons for so I won't get into it. I talked I warned the kids about this down there. I said, you gotta watch how you approach this stuff, because it will mess you up. You start to get into sex in and out of people and porn and masturbating all this stuff. I'm telling you, there's a price that you pay later. It's amazing how many people. And their overwhelming excuse is I don't feel like it. And this isn't just women to men. I get the complaint ten to one the other way around. At least ten to one of women who complain to me, their husbands do not want to have sex with them. <laughs> Talk about not being able to relate. <laughs> you what? And 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 there's all kinds of reasons For a lot of them are addicted to porn and stuff, and they'd rather make love to themselves or their own wives. That's disgusting. and A bunch of other reasons. But a lot of the reasons, they, they just literally say, oh, I don't feel like it. I don't feel like it. What do you mean you don't feel like it? I don't, I don't feel like it. I don't feel like it. I don't want to be clever. I don't feel like it. And there's those of us who feel like it all the time, but that's a whole other issue. It creates another problem. I don't know why you come to this church. But anyway. And, 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 and the point that I've, I've been pointing out is, you know, you need to quit being sexually unfaithful. What do you mean? See, we only think of sexual unfaithfulness in terms of someone having an affair. I want you to know something. You refuse to be a lover to your wife, you're being sexually unfaithful to her. You refuse to make love to your husband, you're being sexually unfaithful to him. You are guilty of sexual unfaithfulness when you're not there. And I love the scripture for pointing that out. I don't feel like it. Who cares what you feel like? You've got a responsibility. It was great, you know, I was studying last night, you know, uh, Jewish law. Do do you know that in the Jewish culture that we've been reading here in the Old Testament, stuff like that, the sexual responsibility or the privilege was that of the wife. It's about her. It's the wife who gets to demand sex from her husband. Isn't that wild? In fact, Jewish law taught that a man was not allowed to use a woman to satisfy himself. His goal was to satisfy her. (laughs) Hallelujah. That's them Wisconsin women clapping over here. I mean, how much has that changed? So many men literally use women just all about me. Come on, baby, help me out here. Give me a break. you know. Then I, studied, then I studied Islamic law. I was up till midnight last night reading Islamic law. Amazing. Amazing. And when it comes to family and stuff, they're about as close to Christianity as you can possibly get. It's, it's really amazing. In fact, they make more sense than a lot of Christians make. But the same thing here. A, a man was not allowed to refuse his wife sex. I think the rule was he had to have sex with her at least once every four months. Well, that sounds like a drag to me, but I mean. And interesting, how? And they would say, look, the marriage bed is undefiled, basically what the New Testament says. What's okay to do? We don't care, as long as you both agree. The minute she says she's uncomfortable with this, you stop. Wow. We need a dose of that in the church today. Sexual unfaithfulness. Couples being sexually unfaithful to each other. In the church. No affairs. But being sexually unfaithful nonetheless. It's not right. The scripture is very clear. You do not have the right to ignore the sexual needs of your spouse. It is wrong. It is wrong. It is wrong. And if you were a Jew, it would be wrong. And if you were a Muslim, it would be wrong. You think somewhere we get the picture. Hey, this is wrong. We get selfish. Say, well, we got major problems. Okay, then go get help. I don't feel good. I'll go see a doctor. But this thing of just ignoring—I am stunned and shocked. How many people come to my seminars, you know, struggling in their marriage? When was the last time you guys had sex? Well, I don't know. It's been what, what six years? <laughs> <sighs> I don't know how they do. You know, people really have an amazing tolerance for misery in their lives. They really do. That's the good thing about being a girly man. You can't stand much. I'm miserable. I can't take it anymore. It's only been a week. I'm miserable. I can't. Good grief. Years. I was reading this survey done by Christian Partnership Magazine. They asked this question. How many times did you have sex in the last week? You know what the number one answer was among people of faith? Sexual unfaithfulness is what it is. It is sin and it is wrong. I understand there's all kinds of issues and stuff. I will be happy to walk you through it if you want to come talk to me. You need to talk to somebody, but I'm just telling you what you're doing is wrong. Sexually unfaithful when you refuse to be there for each other. Anyway. When we continue the story, I will give you the rest of this story, which is very bizarre. That was just one little verse. That had nothing to do with the story at all, actually. (laughs) But it takes very little to send me down a rabbit hole. Zing, 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 All right, let's have our ushers come and uh, our musicians, and we will wrap this up for the evening. Yeah, this is a really creepy story. (laughs) Oh, my goodness gracious. (laughs) oh man oh I want to tell you but we'll wait it's uh just big creepiness if anybody understands the previous chapter let me know Ida you probably understand this thing (laughs) is there a point to it there's not oh thank you okay I feel just so I I always fall over to Ida if nothing else she's a great student of the Bible hallelujah I love having people in here who know the Bible I even love having people around here who know the Bible more than me Bring it on. Hallelujah. We'll spur each other on. Praise God. I don't know what I'm talking about. Oh, got you guys are here. I'm still, I'm still waiting. Man, seriously quiet. Let's pray. (laughs) Pray for your pastor. Oh God, we love you. We thank you that you love us. Help us, Lord, to desire the wisdom that comes from your word. Your your scriptures tell us in Proverbs that we're to desire wisdom. We're supposed to hunger after wisdom. We're supposed to seek after wisdom as if it were great riches. Gold and rubies and great riches things of value. God, help us to grow from your word. Thank you that you love us in spite of our mistakes, that you love us in spite of our failures, and God, that you can always, God, bring restoration into any situation. But God, help us not to be fools and to despise wisdom. Help us not to take your word for granted. Help us not to uh, insult the grace of God in our lives. Give us hearts that really want to learn from you and to do things right and help us to have successful lives and successful homes and successful children god so that you can anoint us and use us make us vessels of honor i pray make us vessels that you can use lord your word talks about some vessels are just you know you leave them on the shelf because you just can't use them god help us not to be like that still your vessels but we want to be the ones you can use Make us those kind of people. Help us to grow from your word, from your understanding of it. Help us to change the world. Use us, Lord God, to turn the world upside down for the kingdom, we pray. Thank you for your word. Bless our time together now and and, and we ask that you will bless this offering. Help us to use these monies for the advancement of your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.